Welcome to the August 31st edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast. And on today's show, I'm flying solo with Mike still on vacation. But don't worry, we have a lot to discuss as we look at the end of an era involving the Leafs. Plus, the Athletic put out their prospect rankings. So we'll see where the Leafs sit among other NHL clubs and if there was any movement on Toronto's individual list. This is Locked On Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your daily fix for all things Leafs. I'm your host, David Morissuti from Sportsnet. With Mike somewhere in the Caribbean, sipping on a few pina coladas, I decided to go solo for today's show, but we still have lots of content for today's episode. Looking at the end of Leafs TV, plus the Athletic put out their prospect rankings, so I wanted to see where things change in terms of the Leafs, and of course give a look at the NHL in general. Remember, Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcast from. And now you can catch us on video on YouTube, so make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Leafs and get all that content both in audio and video. So as I mentioned at the top there, the Leafs, over the years, they've, you know, things have been changing in terms of landscape of TV you know, a lot of things have been going to digital streaming. It's It's been an ever-changing landscape there. And actually, as of September 1st, Leafs TV will no longer actually be available to you to watch on your TV. It started all the way back, if you remember, November 2000, where it all started where MLSE kind of wanted to have their own production of Leaf games. So they would have 10 exclusive Leaf games every year i'm sure some of you remembered uh some classic games i think one of them involved uh matt sundin scoring six points against the florida panthers that's probably the more memorable game in terms of the leafs tv broadcast but i'm sure many of you remember the frustrations of okay it's leafs game night and if you didn't have leafs tv you couldn't watch the game probably the best secondary option was to listen to it on the radio um, but then, you know, Leafs TV was a premium channel for a long time. You had to pay for that channel separately. And then with the games being on those on that network 10 times a year, people said, you know, this should be a part of our uh, cable subscription. So then a lot of the broadcast companies eventually added Leafs TV as part of the uh, cable subscription. So people were still able to get their games there. Also, when you look at Leafs TV in general, you know, things sort of shifted a bit in 2014 when obviously the Ontario's teacher pension plan, which originally bought the team way back when, actually sold their shares to Bell and Rogers now who own the majority of the team along with Larry Tannenbaum. So because you had two broadcasters coming in, they weren't going to be battling with Leafs TV for, you know, you know, regional rights for games so basically it came down to mlsc deciding between bell and rogers okay who's going to get which games and that's how we've now come to watch leaf games nowadays so when that deal happened leafs tv lost a good chunk of its program because a lot of it was dedicated towards 
you know, previewing the games. They had 10 games a year that they were broadcasting and those were taken away. So they had to find ways to make it all work. So if you ever watched the, the Leafs TV network, uh, Leafs T, I mean, it also was rebranded, I think in 2017 called the Leafs, uh, nation network. Uh, I, I remember watching you know, a lot of the press conferences involving the coaches, player interviews. They had some unique, uh, I call them unique programming things that you, you know, a Leafs broadcast or team related broadcast could do that, you know, Rogers, Bell, Sportsnet, TSN wouldn't necessarily do because they had a lot of other things on their plate. So it's unfortunate in a way because you lose, obviously, uh, something that brought provided Leafs-specific content throughout the years. But we also know that if you went to that Leafs TV channel, if you even watch it today, uh, kind of in their final days, it was a lot of reruns of old games. So it turned into, you know, a network that had a lot of great original content to then a network that was kind of just recycling, you know, similar things over and over again. So it kind of lost a bit of its luster. Of course, many of you who have watched uh, the Toronto Marlies, that used to be the big thing to go to Leafs TV to watch Marlies games, especially when the Marlies were, kind of in their best moment, best years of competing. A lot of people go and watch the Marlies on Leafs TV. I believe now TSN is the rights holder for Marlies. I'm not too sure about that, but I don't think this changes anything in terms of how you will watch the Toronto Marlies going forward. I also know that a lot of people who do watch the Marlies have AHL TV and you can watch all the AHL games for one fee for the whole season. So it's, it's a bit unfortunate that we see, you know, a in a uh, in, in today's age, how things have changed. But you know, the Leafs are still putting out content on their YouTube page. That's generally where everything is going now, right? People aren't really having TV cable packages. It's not a big thing anymore. So it's unfortunate that you know something like this mm-hmm. had been around for so long is now going away. Um, but lo and behold, this is kind of where the landscape of TV is going now. You're not really seeing many teams have their own channels, right? There was Leafs TV, Raptors TV. It's not really as much of a thing anymore. All right. So when we come back, I did say at the top uh, in my intro that we are going to be talking prospects today. I love always talking about prospects. The Athletic put out their prospect ranking. Corden Perlman, who does a lot of great work there, went on a pretty deep dive for all 32 NHL teams. So we're going to see where the Leafs fall in terms of the NHL in general and how they rank. And if there are any players that moved up and down the list, um, we're going to take a look at all that. And, but before we do, let's hear from one of our, sh- of our show sponsors. And it's one of our top ones. That is BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs. Of course, the NHL, they've released all of their Preseason betting line. So, if you want to go ahead and put some money on the lease futures, go to betonline.net right now to look at all of that. Find all your latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, and of course, the NHL. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Ben Align, it's where the game starts. 
Welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast. I'm David Morissuti here riding soul because Mike DeStefano decided he needed another vacation. I don't blame Mike. If I had the chance to go on a cruise, I would be there. I actually would have liked to maybe we have done a show together on a cruise. Maybe that's something we consider down the road so we can kind of get the vacation part. Plus, we still get to bring you guys great content. As I mentioned before the break, we're going to talk pretty much prospects from the now until the end of the show. So Corey Perlman, who does a lot of great work over at The Athletic, he's uh, pretty much him and Scott Wheeler, if you're not as familiar, do a lot of great work on the prospect watch in terms of where the best prospects are and where the teams rank. So I'm bringing up first, uh, I'm just going to scroll up here. As you can see on the screen, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're not, uh, I'll describe for those on the audio podcast. Last year, the Leafs prospects ranked 21st out of all the NHL teams. So they were 21st. And at that time when Proman wrote this, you know, again, just to explain how these prospect rankings work, he's looking at the top players 23 and under. So if basically he said last year, you know, a guy like Matthew Austin Matthews graduated because he is no longer of that, uh, you know, he, he doesn't qualify for that ranking. I actually do like this because you get to a certain point where what what co- what what makes a player a prospect, right? You know, can you have a 25-year-old prospect? You know, at that point, they're of a certain age. I know some of them will become can become rookies in the NHL, even at 25. But when it comes to prospects, because they don't really have the professional experience, I do like that when they put their, uh, the tw- you know, the 23 and under. So if you look back, uh, the key addition uh, last year was Matthew Nizel. Look at where he was ranked on last year's list, and then we'll do a side-by-side comparable on this year. But he actually also gave the Leafs a D ranking on the 22 NHL draft of how they did. Not too surprised. Mike and I have been very vocal about how the Leafs drafting has been lately, and part of the reason why we think it's also not it contributes to why the Leafs have struggled to bring in more of these younger players because they're not getting guys that have really proven to be not only just to be in the NHL at times, but even to be an impactful player at the NHL. So last year, Rasmus Sandin topped the list as the Leafs' best prospect. I'm going to zoom in a little bit here just in case anybody here on YouTube is having a hard time reading it. Um, But Rasmus Sandin fell as the top, prospect or top player under 23 in the Leaf system. And then obviously Rodion Amirov. We're going to talk about him a little bit more when we look at this year's rankings, but it was Razza Sandin, Rodion Amirov, and then Nick, Nicholas Robertson was Nick Robertson was third. And then Matthew Nyes came in as fourth and he hadn't even hadn't even played any games or he hadn't even shown up in the Leafs rookie tournament because they didn't participate in rookie tournaments. So that's where they fell last year. So obviously this year, I'm just going to pull up the uh, list of before we get into the least specific list, though, I did want to go and, you know, when we're comparing the Leafs, uh, you know, where they rank this year, we have to kind of understand that there are teams right now who are drafting elite, great players and 
they're in the system. Some of them are in the NHL, but most of them are in the system. The Leafs have graduated a lot of players that are part of this current core, right? Austin Matthews, William Neander, Mitch Martin. Like, they had all those high picks in past years. The reason why the Leafs have now fallen lower is because they haven't had first-round picks lately, and they're drafting, they're drafting is seemingly way different than it was in years past, too. Like, so... Back then, you would have seen the Leafs having a top five system because they had Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Mitch Marner as a part of that under-23 group. So just to give you a sense of who in the NHL is among the top, um, you know, how, how would I put this? The best under-23. So this year, it's, uh, it's, actually, it's actually Jack Hughes is his top player, elite so he has, a, and, I, and I want to mention this too, because he does it as a tiered. He does, you know, one to, you know, his top rankings in, in order of top best to worst. But he also kind of groups these players into different lists. This is why I like Proman's rankings, because, you know, you like to see it in tiers. Like, how does Jack Hughes, who is his, arguably his top NHL not, not NHL player under 21, NHL and also outside of the NHL, and there's obviously going to be different things with rankings. Some people don't usually, sometimes they like to just do players who are not in the NHL. I like those lists too, because I like to see who's not in the NHL. But obviously, Jack Hughes is somewhat still of a prospect in Corey Perlman's eyes because he's under 23, so he's not a finished product at all. Um, and we've seen him take strides, right? We've seen Jack Hughes take strides. So it's no surprise that he is actually at the top of the list here. But we're gonna we're gonna continue down the list here, and we're gonna go to Maurice Sider uh, from the Detroit Red Wings, who is number two. I'm actually gonna make this a little bit bigger um, so that we can read this a little more legibly. Maurice Sider, uh, obviously Mike's uh, favorite player, you know Calder Trophy winner. Um, no surprise, he's number two. You know the Calder Trophy winner, he's gonna be near the top of the list when you look at prospects. So he's number two on the list. Trevor Zegras is actually number three. Um, I know we always look at the skillful plays he makes, but you know, and his creativity. But we can see where the where the future is going with Anaheim with all their young players. It's no surprise that Travis Zegras tops the list here. Quinn Hughes, he's still under twenty three. He's twenty two, even though he has a few years in the NHL under his belt. Um, but obviously, this is somebody that a lot of people are high on and believe that maybe one day, if all everything kind of works out for him, could be in the Vesna, um, Vesna Norris Trophy uh, conversation down the road. But uh, he's starting to slowly show why he's among one of the top defensemen in the league today. Young defensemen, at least. Still not in the Kale McCarr, you know, Victor Hedman, Roman Yossi debate that we had not even not too long ago. But he's he's slowly getting there. You have Brady Kachuk at, uh, with the Ottawa Senators. He's at number five. Again, he's a guy that's likely going to graduate once he gets more games and once he gets above the uh, 23. And also, this is under 23, right? So he's right at the cusp there. So once he gets to 23, he likely will no longer be included on this list. So those are kind of the elite groups of, of talent that Corey Perlman looks at here. So just to give you a thought process on how this is broken down. So now we're going to go into the all-star rankings. So these are guys who might not be the elite of the elite, but they are still all-stars. So they'll make the all-star team. They'll still put up decent production, but they're not going to be, you know, cornerstone top 
players when it comes to like Hart Trophy and all those things. So we have Andrei Shvetchnikov. Uh, hard to believe he's only 22 years old. In, in a way, I kind of thought he was a little bit older because he's been in the league for a, for quite a while. You know, drafted in 2018. Um, he is slowly getting there. He could eventually get into that top tier of elite players if everything goes well for him. Um, obviously, plays for a good team in Carolina. He's his role is pretty much defined. So, not surprised that he is in that All Star caliber, and no surprise he's in the top ten either. When you look at the groupings here, uh, Rasmus Dalin, the second defenseman, uh, sorry, sorry, third defenseman included in this list. You know, first overall pick. It was a bit of a slow start. This is actually going to be his fourth season in the NHL. And I think last year was, you know, kind of an eye-opening year for for Delling because, you know, it, it seemed like he is he is getting there to showing why he was that first overall pick. So here's, uh, you know, Delling's in the top uh, top ten. We have another Ottawa Senators prospect, Tim Stutzla, who we'll see. I, I, I guess some uh, expect him to play center this season. I guess we'll, we'll discuss that. We're going to have a crossover with the Locked On Senators podcast. Great show. Even if you're not a Senators fan, they do a lot of great work, um, you know, if, uh, over there. So we'll look forward to having those guys on. We talk uh, quite a, quite a bit about things. So look forward to having that chat. But Tim Slitzla is among now a guy that it's going to take a little bit of time, you know, to get. He, we remember he um, his his World Juniors and you know Germany had that good group of young German players. I think you're going to start seeing he's 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 got to get himself more acclimated to playing in the NHL and what that involves going up against bigger competition. But I think he's uh, he's a guy that can uh, that Ottawa is definitely count on with Brady Kachuk to being a part of that you know top line future core that's going to compete uh, you know for many years in Ottawa. We'll see how it works. It, it's it's looking not too bad uh, for a guy like Tim Stutzla, uh, Lucas Raymond. It's a guy I actually really like uh, from Detroit. Like they just seem to find, you know, obviously this is a guy who was drafted fourth overall. So it's not like they found him like, a, you know, Henrik Zetterberg and Pavel Datsyuk late in the draft. Fourth overall pick. He's he's shown that he can, you know, be a really good offensive player for Detroit, something that they really need. Um, they they played him a lot last year. You saw him quite a bit uh, if you ever watched uh, even Leafs games against Detroit. Lucas Raymond was one of those guys uh, getting a lot of the uh, bulk of the offensive work. And then rounding out the top 10, I'm going to stop at the end of the top 10, but we have Alexis Lafreniere from the uh, New York Rangers. Obviously, first overall pick from 2020. Came very close to being a Leafs pick if you followed that draft lottery a little bit. Um, he's a guy that maybe some people thought was going to be like that offensive dynamite type of player. But I think what we're, what the Rangers have decided is they want him to just be a good all around NHL player. Right. I think he solidified himself right now as a good, you know, second line center right now. I mean, they played him on the wing quite a bit there in New York. He played center at one point, but I think he's, he's the guy that the Rangers are hoping will take the next step. Um, you know, he's definitely a second line player for them. Maybe eventually down the road, he can be that, uh, you know, third player. I'm just going to let you guys, if you are reading any of this, um, you know, when it comes to left one. And then obviously I'm going to bring up Luke Hughes just quickly. We touched on him during the uh, world juniors, um, how good he has been. I think New Jersey's got 
something here both with both Hughes brothers is going to be very special. But Luke Hughes is kind of the first player who is, I would say, outside of the NHL because he hasn't really had much. Like we expect him to be an NHL or down the road. Um, so Luke Hughes was also part of that list there. So your question here is obviously first off, David, there weren't any Leafs players there in the top ten. I didn't expect any Leafs players to be there in the top ten. You're looking at guys who are all chosen quite high in the NHL draft, right? We're talking about top five, even some in the top ten. Leafs haven't had a top ten pick since Austin Matthews, right? So we are, you know, looking at what happens when you don't have those top end picks and you have these lower picks, you know, you're going to see things kind of drop off in terms of where your next guy is going to be. I'm actually kind of scrolling down here, trying to remember where we had uh, the, the the best Leafs prospect under um, under 23. Um, I believe it. So we'll go to actually we'll go I, we'll go to the least prospect ranking right now, just to show you. So last year they were twenty first. This season, they've actually increased. Okay, so they've gone up. Wait for it. Drum roll, please. They are number twenty. No surprise. No surprise here. In my opinion. There's no surprise as to why the Leafs are um, are 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 twentieth because, again, they are not a team that's putting out you know top ten draft picks right. They're not pulling those in. Even like a Colorado, when you look at the guys they have, like Kill McCarr was a top top ten pick. Bowen Byram top 10 pick, right? So those guys, even though they weren't even in some cases when it comes to the Bowen Brown, that was not even their own draft pick. That was a pick they got from the Senators. So they were fortunate to get uh Bowen Brown there. Um, but this is where I think the Leafs, if I, if I'm, uh, you know, one area I'm going to really be critical about, it's the fact that when you have the amount of resources the Leafs have put in, and we know how many different assistant GMs they have, scouts and all those things. This is something that the Leafs need to vastly improve on is their pipeline, okay? Because not only for those that they want to graduate to the NHL and have that younger controlled talent that can you know, add some a little bit of different uh, flavor to this Leafs group, but also... Trading prospects too. You don't want to have to constantly trade draft picks too. If you got some prospects, and you know maybe one guy isn't going to make it to the NHL, but another team might value him a lot higher. You can easily trade that instead of tra- trading a first round pick or a second round pick or a third round pick. So this is where I think yes, the Leafs definitely need to improve on that. Now, before we go deeper into the Leafs system here, um, we're just going to take another quick break. Uh, we're going to hear from another show sponsor and I'm going to dive more into the individual players, any new players that came in, if there have been any changes to the Leafs uh, list. I'm sure many of you will have seen or know who is the top player and will not be surprised, but we'll take a, uh, you know, a deeper dive into that when we come back uh, and listen to our show sponsors. Welcome back into the Locked on Leafs podcast. David Morissuti here. No Mike DiStefano. He will be back next week after he is done his cruise. He'll be refreshed. 
and hopefully we'll also have a little more different content. Mike, I know, is lining up some interviews with some guys to bring in to kind of we're getting into that, you know, September, right? We're getting prepared into training camp mode. I actually have also lined up, uh, you know, we had David Alter uh, in the previous episode. Apologies for the audio. That was uh, unfortunately the program we use. It's tough with certain guests um, when we're recording. Some of you might remember even one episode. My audio was garbage the entire episode. It, it happens. This is what happens, obviously, when we're not recording in person. We're doing these all, you know, I'm doing it from home. Dave was doing it from home. We're using a different program to do it. Um, so hopefully when we have our next guest, we'll make sure that the audio is up to snuff with that. But on today's show, we're to end today's show, we're just going to look closely. I'm going to bring back up the prospect list. Now we're going to dive into the least prospects. Okay. Before we talk about this year's list, I liked what uh, Corey Proman did here is that he took Rodion Amirov off simply because he did not play because of his uh, diagnosis um, with, you know, dealing with his medical health. It's not fair to Rodion Amirov to put him on any list, and I'm glad he did that. I think it was the right thing to do. So the graduate from this year's uh, list is actually Timothy Lilligren, who is no longer eligible for this list. And obviously now a full-time NHLer at this rate for the Leafs. And then, uh, as you see, a key addition, Fraser Minton. We're going to see where he ranks um, on this list. But interesting note is Corey Proman actually believes the Leafs did a decent job with this draft. He gave them a B-minus rating. So it's, it's I find that quite interesting, um, you know, Given how the draft went, I know some people had some doubts about it, but Mike and I actually had thought they didn't do too bad. We're going to have, um, I think we're going to hopefully have Tony Ferrari, many of you know, friend of the show, to kind of help us, uh, not only with his prospect rings, he did the same thing as Corey Proman. I want to have Tony on so he can discuss it in detail with you guys, but also to kind of help us with the draft. We also had, if you want to go back, our uh, draft uh, and Analysis with Nick Richard, um, I think it was a great way to kind of look at the 2022 class. But let's look at the prospect rankings right now. Uh, so we have Matthew Nyes, number one. No surprise. I know a lot of people were, I wouldn't say concerned, but there were some people a little, they felt a little underwhelmed by how Matthew Nyes performed at the World Juniors. I wasn't. Because when it comes to a single tournament, it really does come down to how does a coach play a player? What's what's his role and all those things? So I'm not too surprised that, you know, Matthew Nye's A remains. It, it was moved to the number one spot. But, you know, you don't just look at a body of work from a two-week tournament. You look at also what he did with the um, all of last season. This is somebody who made the Olympic team. That's a big deal. For a 19-year-old, I know that NHLers weren't there, but a lot of other countries were not bringing 19-year-olds to the Olympics. Right? Canada only had a few, a handful of them. The U.S. had quite a bit more. They were, they wanted to give that experience to their younger players. Let's also not forget what he did over, um, you know, over in uh, in the NCAA as well. You know, Mike and I discussed that on the show. He had a really good showing there. So. Matthew Nye's 
not no surprise that he is number one. Rasmus Sandin, regardless of what you think about the contract situation and the lack of playing, he is the Leafs really is their top defensive prospect because he's the closest to the NHL, right? Really, if if everything was fine and Danny, I would see him playing NHL games this year. We obviously know it's tough to figure out where exactly he's going to play because he's got, you know, Jake Muzz and a Mark Giordano in front of him. Maybe that's on the right side. But I, I think we're going to see that res, you know, resolved at some point. Even David Alter, when we spoke yesterday, I know some of you had a hard time listening, um, but he didn't seem too worried about Rasmus Sandin because Rasmus Sandin, in a way, if you get him at the right contract and you get him at the you know right right price, he becomes a bit of a luxury in that you lose a defenseman, plop. Rasmus Sandin goes right in and can help uh, help mitigate a little bit of that. Obviously, Rasmus Sandin is not a Jake Muzzin. It's a little, they're different player styles, but it's good to know that you have a Rasmus Sandin that you can put in there. And we know the Leafs view him as a very important part of their future. All right. Uh, Nicholas Robinson, Nick Robinson, like many of us call him, uh, he is third on the list. Uh, this is, is, is interesting because he's someone that always seems to be knocking on the door for the NHL, but hasn't really gotten that opportunity to show it on a full-time basis. He's had cup of coffees in a way and i know injuries have played a large role in that and this is somebody who has to get used to playing at the nhl level but mike and i had discussed this too when we were talking about you know how the lease lineup could potentially change nick robertson being in the top six would be a, a big big boost in my opinion to this club again he has to earn that i'm not saying you give him that spot but i also think you're doing him a disservice by constantly playing him on the fourth line against players that just are going to bring out the best in him based on how the least fourth line was, you know, used last season. So I'm hoping that whether it's third line, whether it's second line, I want to see him in a middle six role going into the season. I being healthy is going to be crucial for Robertson going into the season. I still think, and, and even Corey Proman says here, he was a highly productive AHL player. Yes, that doesn't always translate to the NHL, but I do think there is an ability there for him to get to that uh, guess into that uh, position if all things work out. All right, uh, we're going to go into number four, and that is Topi Niemela. We saw what he did at the World Juniors. Uh, he's he's a guy that I'm I'm very curious to see when he eventually makes that jump. Maybe the Leafs are expecting that to be later at the end of the season. I, I'm assuming he's. Uh, a guy that maybe a late call up to the Marlins at some point you want to see these guys come over to the AHL because they're going to want to get accustomed to playing on North American ice, the North American game and not just spending all their time in Finland. You know, he was, he's been there for a few years. Eventually you want to see these guys come over. So, um, I, I think there's a lot to like here. Proman says that you know he could be a third or second pairing defenseman. If that's what it, if that way he ends up being, I think the Leafs will take that for sure. So the newest addition to the list, Fraser Minton, who was the you know the guy that the Leafs picked with that trade to Chicago from Chicago, where they moved back in the draft, and Fraser Minton was the guy. Um, he seems like a player that's going to be a little bit, maybe a little bit of a pro, uh, of a project. Proman says he has below NHL average skating, so that's something that obviously needs to improve. But everything else is NHL average. So Proman believes that Minton can be a guy that can play NHL games, and he's going to get a lot of 
a lot of look this season. You're going to see him quite a bit because he's going to be uh, he's going to be in the uh, Memorial Cup with Cam uh, Bloops. So I, I do think that there is a lot to like about uh, Fraser Minton here. Um, right now, he looks very intriguing as a prospect, but we'll uh, obviously they look good right now. It's going to be a whole project in a few years to see where he eventually rounds out. Proma bleeds bottom six as a bottom six forward. That's third line center that can potentially move to the set as a second line center. That's not a bad, bad case at all. Um, when you look at <laughs> Leafs are not exactly graduating a lot of players to the NHL at this rate. All right. Roni Hirvonen, we saw him have, I, I think he was one of uh, Finland's uh, top players, at least at this term, more productive players, even um, at the world juniors. Sure, a bit on the smallest side. We know that's kind of the Leafs thing, but that didn't stop him from being a, pr- a productive player at the World Juniors. It, he was in those tight areas for Finland. He was doing all those things that you you do like to see, and he's playing pro hockey right now. I think that's the big thing. He's been playing pro hockey in Finland, right? Um, he's been, uh, as Proman writes, a, a leader among, among players in his junior group at his junior level. See, he's an intelligence setter. He sees the ice really well. So I'm curious to see, is he another guy that, you know, can potentially be that middle six, maybe has a higher end as a second line player as opposed to Minton, who some believe is more of a third line guy. I think Kierman has the skill to potentially, you know, put himself in that conversation. So here are the players that he believe have a chance to play at the NHL level. We'll see. We have, uh, Artur Aktyamov, the goaltender from Russia, who um, Kyle Dubas even mentioned at one point. They have so they liked what they saw from him last year. Uh, Dennis Hildeby, their newest goaltending prospect that they drafted, obviously older at 21 years old, so already signed an NHL con- uh, entry level contract too. Um, so he might play this year in Sweden and may come over and play in the NHL next year. We know the Leafs are in desperate need of adding some more prospects to their goaltending system. And in the NHL today, you need to have quite a few, quite a bit of depth. Uh, so hopefully we'll see uh, Dennis here shortly. Brandon Lazowski, uh, another guy drafted in this year's draft, very talented forward, you know, needs to work on the defensive game as Proman mentions here, but uh He's kind of on the outside. We'll see these guys kind of graduate as other players move out. Nicholas Moldenhauer as well. Mike and I were actually quite high on him when you look at kind of all the things that, you know, make him. There's a lot to still see here. He didn't play a lot last year, so we'll see how he um, how it all works out there. Um, we're going to end it there because uh, obviously there's we could talk prospects a lot, but we're going to also have more of that when we do eventually have Tony on the show. So I want to thank you all for listening to today's show. Thank you for putting up with me for the entire episode. I know it's uh, it, we like to have the conversation back and forth with someone. Um, I, fear, I figured that for today it would be best to do this, this look at the Leafs prospect rankings now. For the next show, I want you guys to be involved a little bit more. We haven't done a Monday mailbag in a while, but because obviously Monday is a long way from now, I want to do a Fan Friday episode. So we're going to hopefully have you guys be involved in that, and that is by asking us questions. 
So send in your questions, put them in the comment section. I'll post actually the, uh, this part of the video separately so that you guys can submit your questions and I will answer them on Friday's episode and we'll discuss anything. You know, it could be Leafs. It could be NHL. It could be prospects. Open book here, guys. I want to answer your questions. We're only a few weeks away from, you know, things picking up. I'm already hearing about Leafs turn, you know, golf tournaments, rookie rookie tournaments. You know, the BioSteel camp is going on right now. So we're seeing NHL players are on the ice. They're getting themselves ready to play for, uh, you know, th- these are kind of those little things that get them kind of ready for the season. So hockey is coming. We want to make sure that you're all ready to go for when training camp opens, no stone unturned. So make sure you get in those questions and we'll look at those on the next episode. So I'll do it for us today on today's podcast. Like thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the locked on Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at the underscore Morissuti. Sure. I'll give Mike uh, a shout out to at Mickey underscore Canuck and follow the show. I locked on Leafs. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, locked on these, we're gonna push, push to get to 2,000. We want to make sure we're ahead of all those other uh, channels, especially the Habs one. I do not want to be below the Habs in the subscription rankings for the Locked On Network. So help us get there, guys. And until next time, keep locked right here on Locked On Leaves.